Welcome to Complete Edition, the podcast between a PlayStation Trophy Hunter and an Xbox Achievement Hunter. This is episode 34. I'm your host, Compulsive Nerd, and I'm joined by AJ. How are you doing, AJ? I'm doing well. Things are, things are going okay. I've been playing quite a few games. A ton of, like, backlog games, and a lot of, like, jumping around different games, which is, I think, relevant to our topic later in the show as well, so that, that sort of just lined up, which is quite nice. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm really good, dude. Like, things are just turning around for me. It does suck that the school, like, the school year, school the fall semester is starting, because, like, now I have to really buckle down and study, which cuts down game time, but I just helped a friend move 17 hours away from the city that we live in. And I moved him out to Washington, D.C., and it's just kind of like it was a 17 hour road trip. And then I spent two days in D.C. and it was like it was pretty fun. I only slept like 12 hours the whole time, but that kind of cut down gaming time. I really didn't have a lot of time to game, but that was actually a really fun trip. And I thought it would be bittersweet, but it didn't feel like a goodbye. I think technology has just completely surpassed that that feeling. It's like, dude, I'm going to talk to you every day, dude. Like it barely changes anything. We'd hang out like once every three weeks. And it's like, if you fly back to Kansas City once every three months, it won't feel as like horrible or whatever. So it didn't really feel like a goodbye whenever I said goodbye. So that was that was nice, actually. So but everything else is like good. I just we, we did miss a week last week for the listeners who were like, where have they been? Where have they been? It's like we just school and so much stuff is popping up. It's kind of it's it's really hard, but we're going to keep on trucking. <laughs> but uh yeah, dude. I mean, things are things are pretty awesome. I, I've been gaming too, getting on the backlog stuff, but that's about to end, AJ. It feels like that. Like I looked it forward and I'm like, oh, geez, like it's coming quickly. Like Shadows of Rose will be out. And then like it's it's right around October, probably. That's when a lot of these games start releasing again. And then we get just hit like November, December. And then 2023 is like going to be around and starting. And it's like once that starts, all the games that got delayed are going to start coming out. So I feel like more face more delays. That's yeah. the uh, alternative. That's true. That is very true. But it, it kind of feels that way. And I, I kind of was looking at my uh I, I reprioritize my games and I'm like, man, I want to play like I want to play Tunic and I want to play like some of these backlog games that I just haven't touched yet. And the game awards are coming around too, so I gotta like crunch on the games that came out in 2022. So it just it does feel like it, that that backlog period's coming to an end but i i loved it dude <laughs> i did i loved that like downtime and not having to play new things but also playing things that were new to me but just not this year yeah for me i think um i sort of agree i think it's going to be a bit quieter i mean i'm looking forward to a couple of things in october and then i think i'm not sure one game in november i think and then a couple in december so yeah i guess that is kind of stacked like for me i guess October, there's a day where Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 comes out. And on the same day, the Resident Evil 8 DLC comes out. So that'll be like the first time in ages where there's like one day where like two, at least big to me, like those are big releases for me personally. I know, you know, like Resident Evil DLC isn't necessarily that big in terms of the wider industry. But yeah, that day is going to be quite fun. Then in November, there's uh, Pentiment, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, the Josh Sawyer uh, game from Obsidian. And then December is, I think, High on Life and the Callisto Protocol. I want to play both of those. Me too. Um, it, it's hard keeping track, though. I'm talking about it, and I'm like, 
was that the old release date or is that you know like have i missed mm-hmm. like a, a a news thing where like it's been delayed even further because you you just you're just reminded of all the delays that happen all the time uh and yeah the, uh, the other game i forgot was i think uh the sequel to uh, the first Plague Tale game is in October as well. So that's what I was about to say. I was like, "Hey, dude, we actually might have a spoiler cast if we both play it at the same time." Because I-, I plan to play that at launch because I love the first one. Yeah, I mean, I-, I should do. I've got no reason not to. It's a Game Pass, game Pass Day One game. Yeah. game, so I don't even like like it'll just be there. So I'm, I may as well. Yeah, um, so I think I'm I can really preload excited. it as well. So that'll be cool. Whoa! I didn't know Game Pass does preload. That's kind of sick. <laughs> yeah yeah you can pre-install stuff on there which is nice they have um on like the coming soon thing for game pass it encourages you to preload and what it does is it you can do it for games like way in advance even if even if they've not got like an announced date sometimes but what it will do is it first it'll download i don't know how it works on playstation but first on xbox it'll download like a 200 megabyte file and i think that's like a placeholder that then gets like filled up with like the game at some point later and we'll just essentially the the game itself will be like an update to that like small placeholder file and so it'll like once you've pre-installed like the tiny file at some point once the game's like i guess gone gold um and been like uploaded onto you know the Xbox database or what game database whatever you call it or the, the storefront, it will up, update it and then it will be like ready for when it comes out, which is quite cool. Um, the only problem with it is sometimes it only gets like added to that. Like the final code gets put on really, really close to release date, which I feel like is is more common now than ever in terms of games like really rushing to hit their date, like just being like exactly on the date or really close to the date when it's ready. But typically because of... Um, review embargoes and stuff there's at least like a few days where you get time to install the whole thing so yeah it's nice that it has that feature i've not um set anything to pre-install but i should do it soon because you're right like it's really coming up on like faster pace for new releases at this point yeah it just it's one of those things where you're just kind of enjoying your backlog you're enjoying your backlog and you're not really looking to the future and then you turn your head and it's like holy crap it's there it's like it's imminent and it it, like on my priority list so i i make these lists on on backlogged and i put like priority games that i want to play and i'm trying to like stack the games from 2022 that i want to play with the games that are releasing and it looks like it's like shredder's revenge nobody saves the world i the somnium files tunic uh plague tale requiem valkyrie elysium god of war ragnarok callista protocol and it's like dude it's just like game after game after game after game. And I'm really excited to get into them, but it just, it feels like it's coming fast, dude. <laughs> it's crazy, but I'm excited, but I am going to squeeze that. My most anticipated game of the next couple of months. It's not even a full game. It's, it is the resident evil village DLC. Like I am the most pumped for that. Like you and I discussed the end of like all of the, all of village. And it's just like, we get to, we get answers coming. Like we we do we get answers coming with this expansion. I'm so excited for that. So very very pumped about that expansion. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I think I'm more excited for that than Modern Warfare Two, honestly. But I am yeah. excited for both. And then Callisto Protocol is probably my second or third hyped. God of War's up there, man. God of War is like my second favorite game of all time. So 
really excited for that game. But yeah, Callisto Protocol is nice because it is quite derivative of Dead Space, as you expect from the you know the the studio heads heritage. But it's it's derivative, but it feels like it's in a good way because it's been so long since we've had a Dead Space game, and then also you've got the potential of the fact that it's a new IP means they can go in like so many different directions with it that you kind of, I feel like I'm on like mostly a blackout on that game. Now Uh, they showed gameplay recently again, I believe like a pretty big gameplay demo and I saw some of it, but I was kind of like trying to avoid it as well and not really paying close attention went on different tabs while that was being shown because I'm already sold on it and I, I like the novelty or the potential for there to be novelty with a new IP. But from the gameplay that I've seen, it does seem so similar to Dead Space that there is like that. I don't know if it's a worry necessarily, but, you know, for this game to be like, I don't know, an 8 out of 10, it could just be like Dead Space, like basically just Dead Space again, right? And and that would be good enough for me to be really happy with it. But for it to be like a 9 or a 10, like I'd want it to do that, but then like push it a bit further in ways that I don't expect. I want it to surprise me or the the story to intrigue me or, you know, I don't know, crazy twists with the with characters and the plot and that kind of thing. I'd I'd want or, or some gameplay mechanic that's really innovative or something. Something a bit extra to push it over the top. And I'm not sure if it has that, but I don't want that kind of thing spoiled for me either. So I want to kind of go in fresh to see how it delivers on that. After the first trailer, I think I watched some gameplay on it and it was really funny. I was like, man, I really kind of I'm kind of hoping that they throw in a see all deaths trophy and achievement. And they they ended up announcing that they are doing that. And a lot of people have complained about it being like, what if there's RNG ones where like you can't control it? It's like, yeah, that does suck. I hope that they do it right. But I still like this game. A lot of things that they've shown with it is like brutal deaths. And I'm like, I just want to see all these crazy animated deaths that they're going to do kind of exciting and fun because it's just such a it's a graphic game dude (laughs) like whoa it is so graphic but i'm really looking forward to that game and you know what's fun it's like it's right before christmas it's like that december 2nd i think and it's like what a great time for horror stuff (laughs) it's just a great time for horror stuff but yeah you want to talk about some of the games that you've been playing yeah sure so I guess I want to start off talking about I I play I said before that I've played like a bunch of backlog stuff and also jumped around between games. I'm not normally someone who jumps around between games too much. I do a bit, especially in terms of like completions, like a lot of the time. I think I'd go insane if I just like fully committed to one game, especially if I'm not feeling it and I know it's like a 50-hour commitment or something, like I'll shelve that after like 10 hours and perhaps come back to it later if I'm having a problem. But for the most part, I feel like I stick with games at least through to doing like a lot of it, like finishing the base game, for example, even if not the completion, but a lot of the time the completion. However, I sort of broke that trend these past few weeks because True Achievements has... So I I don't know if PSN profiles um, or the associated like trophy community websites, uh, I assume True Trophies will, but... I know True Trophies isn't really like that popular compared to like I feel like PSN profiles is more sort of the the PlayStation site from what I've heard and what um what I see usually online. But anyway, so True Achievements has a community challenge and they have a lot of these 
they have a few every couple of months, typically. Along with they have challenges that are like specific tracker type challenges as well. Like I've got these mini challenges that are basically get achievements in backlog games, get achievements in co-op games, uh, get achievements in open world games, that kind of thing. And you get like a badge for your profile if you do it and you have a time limit for it. So you have like a month and you have to get achievements in this like specific category of games. And it will show you a list of like all the games that you have and all the achievements that are eligible. And then you can get like a gold, silver or bronze medal to put on your profile. So I've been doing some of those. But then also they had a like bigger community challenge called the A to Z challenge, which I did. So the way it works is you need to get an achievement beginning with the letter A, then an achievement beginning with the letter B, then one beginning with the letter C and so on all the way to Z. And you have to get it in like that specific order. Like you can't just, you can't just do it in any order and get like one of every letter of the alphabet. You have to go like A, then B, then C, then D, then E and so on. And again, like the website's really great in terms of how it will show you. It will be like, okay, so here's the games that you've started. And like, here's like an alphabetized list of the achievements for like the specific uh, and lists for the specific letter you're looking for. So I did that because I thought, first of all, it's like a cool gimmick thing. I don't do many of these challenges. And obviously some letters are like way more difficult than others. As you can imagine, like achievements beginning with like the letter X are quite rare. So is Z and a few others are quite tricky. And then some there's tons of achievements, but also it was good because I really liked how the list of eligible achievements would be from games I've already started because it's a good way to like raise that completion percentage and raise um, and go back to like sort of be encouraged and have like more of a reason to go back to something. And if you're struggling to find what to play. It was really nice as like a taster session almost of lots of these different games that I'd started before, because it's like you play it to get the letter achievement and then you go to a different game to get like another letter achievement typically, unless you get a game where you can get like two in a row. But usually that wasn't the case. You're sort of jumping around games. And that was really fun. You could skip a couple of letters and still get like the completion. I think you could skip two letters, but I did all of them. I'd say... So I've got a lot of games to talk about in that sense, but a lot of them I only played really briefly, so I'm not going to talk about all of them just because I don't have any particular insight on them. But I'd say as well, with this challenge, what really helped was two games, Halo, the Master Chief Collection, and Minecraft. Because both of those games have a very high amount of achievements. Halo MCC has 700 achievements which for like perspective for everyone, the average achievement list or trophy list is usually about 50, but sometimes 30, sometimes 40. The average like base game, typically on PlayStation and Xbox, it'll have like 50 achievements. So for Halo MCC to have 700 is ridiculous. And listeners will know I've played a lot of Halo. I've played it through every Halo game you know, I've beaten all of them on legendary. I've done, I've done a lot of halo in my time. I have, I think 430 out of 700 and I've, I've put hundreds of hours into halo MCC. So even for me, who's already played a lot of it, I still have like 300 achievements left 
which again, if you compare to the average game, which has 50, even though I've got over half the achievements, that game still has so many achievements to get. And as you can imagine, that game, I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100% certain, but that game probably has every letter of the alphabet in it in terms of achievements, like starting with. Uh, there might not... No, I think there is one for every letter because I remember that the letter where I had the lowest amount of achievements was X. I think I only had about 10 to choose from to get, but the one I got was in Halo 3 ODST, which is called Xenophobia, and it's to beat a level without picking up any uh, Covenant weapons, so don't use any of the alien guns, basically. And that's an easy achievement to get, but yeah, that was that was X. But basically, this challenge was really helped by Halo because it's just there's so many achievements in in so many games that, and they're always as well like it's an it, that game is both an achievement hunter's dream and also their nightmare because on the one hand, there's a lot of really cool achievements. Like there's a lot they they have a lot of effort in them as well. That that's what's great about it. There's not really the achievements aren't lazily designed. They're not like oh kill kill 10 enemies, kill whatever. I mean, there's a couple that are like that to some extent, but it's not like the list is padded with all of those. There might be like one milestone achievement like that in each game, for example, but that'd be it. A lot of them are to look at Easter eggs. There's tons of stuff in like the multiplayer maps, in the forge modes, in the competitive multiplayer, in the campaigns through uh, time trials, like there's time challenges for each level, there's score challenges for each level, there's tons of stuff. There's like unique challenges, like um, like the Vidmaster stuff, where it's like beat you know the final level on four player co op with everyone in a ghost and you know with these skulls on and that kind of thing. So there's so much to do, and the achievements are mostly great. Some are a nightmare, so it's good in that sense. But the bad thing is that because there's so many achievements. There's a lot of gamer score. I think there's maybe 5,000, 5 to 7,000, I think. But for the amount of achievements, the average achievement is only worth like five or 10 points. So it's like fun, but it's also frustrating because it's going to take you so long to get the completion. And every achievement you get is typically really low value. Like even completing every campaign on Lasso the achievement you get for it, it's it's not like 200 points or something. It's, 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 I don't know how much it is exactly, but it's like 25 to 50 or something. So it doesn't feel proportionate to the level of challenge, the amount of game score you get, but it really helped with this A to Z challenge. I think a lot, probably about half the letters were from Halo and Minecraft was good as well because there's a Minecraft achievement world, which was helpful. But along those lines, in terms of other specific games. I got all the achievements in this game called Submerged. I don't know if you've heard of this game. It's um I haven't heard of this game. Yeah, it's like a really casual exploration game with very easy achievements. By casual exploration game, I guess I mean kind of like Abzu and there's another oh, I mean it's not okay. not not like I wouldn't say like Journey because I feel like Journey has more narrative implications than this game necessarily does. Is it uh, is it like educational? Because I felt like Abzu was educational. You could like sit down on these things and you could like look at all these fish. No, like... not not really. Kind of. I mean, 
Yeah, no, not not really. What you said about fish reminded me because there's fish that are a collectible, and so the way what submerged is is it's like it's this like destroyed city that you're in, and you have like a boat that you go around, and and the city's obviously it's not like fully submerged in water, so you're not underwater at any point of the game. You're like on top of the water in like this dilapidated abandoned city on a boat and there's like giant whales and like stuff and you can't really die from anything. Like you just, you just like go find them and look at them and there's dolphins and stuff and it's cool. Do you know, it's really cool. And this is just, this is just a thought I'm having as you're describing this game with movies and stuff. When you try to describe a movie to someone, I think it's pretty easy. Cause I mean, it's all similar, but with video games, they all have such a unique like art style and like way that they're designed that when you try to explain it to someone who hasn't seen it, it's like kind of hard to do. <laughs> do you, yeah. Do you She's saying I'm mean? doing a bad job explaining. No, uh, no, not at all. Not a, okay. No. <laughs> Dude, you're doing a great job. I'm like it, picturing this in my mind, but if I go look at it, I'm curious how it'll look differently, you know? Yeah. Like, so the, the main cool. gameplay <laughs> is you sort of go around and you explore and on your boat, you collect like stuff that makes your boat go faster. You can use more turbo, that kind of thing. And you look for uh, sea creatures as well. And then you have these buildings and you have to climb to the top of them to get these supply drops. And the supply drops are for medicine for, I think he's your brother. I'm not sure. The thing is, is I, so I'd started this game years ago because again, you know, the context is me, you know, coming back into these games for achievements. I'd started this game maybe in 2015. So, and I had like a save that was, partly full and because it's a collectathon where you don't like unlock any abilities and it's not really a very complicated game i didn't start the whole game over again i just carried on so the negative of that is the game is very minimalist in terms of its story and its narrative so me joining at that point i've kind of got like no idea what the fuck was going on to be honest in terms of the story but you've got like this this girl and this boy and you play as the girl and the boy is injured is sick and so you get these supply drops on top of these buildings and then that like serves as like medicine to help him. And there's also these like weird alien creatures that are stalking you as well. But the gameplay is essentially you drive around on the boat, you find a place to on these skyscrapers to climb up. And then you do like, you know, the uncharted Tomb Raider style of climbing, you know, you grab a ledge and you, you shimmy across that, that type of thing. There's not really much um, like, platforming i you're platforming but hopefully people get what i mean you're platforming but you're on rails basically like you're not um and there's an even more on rails than uncharted because i think uncharted is kind of guilty of of being kind of you know it's kind of like a theme park ride in terms of in terms of how how the game plays at least until uncharted 4 yeah there's like hand there's like grab like like hand grab locations or like the ledge sticks out and it's just like you have that path, you know? Yeah. It's, it, more, it's not really, it's um, not really platforming. It's just moving across that, you know, it's more like cinematic than a sort of gameplay yeah. challenge typically. But this That's game's true. like even I'd say on sort of like the scale of like, I'd say uncharted, especially like the early uncharted. That's probably kind of on, on railsy, like not that challenging. And then tomb Raider is probably a bit more challenging, like a little bit, this game's like way easier than both of them. Like this one's way like there's no um, there's no like jump into a bar in the end and you and you, in the air and you swing on the bar and th- there's none of that type of complexity. Right. It's basically right. just like fully like you're just like 
climbing a climbing wall essentially and and that's it and and the camera zooms out and you get like these cool camera angles and these nice vistas to look over and some of the sea creatures and it it looks pretty you know it's more visual than anything else it's held back by the fact that it's an early xbox one game and an indie game in that it feels like a game where it is a bit stylized but it feels like a game that would benefit from like having more photorealism having more i don't know having having more budget a bigger team that kind of thing it's not overly simplistic where in other words when you look at it you can see like oh that you know wall texture isn't great you know or or you know this these character animations aren't brilliant and i'm looking at them quite closely and it's sort of trying to go for pseudo realistic so you know you you can't compare it to like a an uncharted really to be fair in terms of like scope and and that kind of thing but because the gameplay is so reminiscent and also the gameplay is so uninvolving in that it kind of plays itself. You're sort of meant to look at it, if that makes sense. Like you're you're meant to be admiring the beauty of it. And so then at that point, you kind of end up, I guess, criticizing it because there's no gameplay to distract you from, you know, the the lack of fidelity, I suppose. But it was an interesting game. It wasn't that bad. It also wasn't, you know, we talk about uh, our disdain for easy achievement games. This game is easy, but it's a genuine game, right? Like I think from how I've described it, I've made that yeah. clear that it is it is a game. People have put effort into it. It has mechanics that aren't hold X. Yeah, it takes six to eight hours to get all the achievements. So I think it's like a valid title. I think it's also, it is from that early Xbox One era where it was like, this is an easy achievement game and it's six hours long. And, and now it's like, you know, 10 minutes long for an easy achievement game. So, you know, it's kind of like the transition into early achie- easy achievement games, but yeah, it was, it was okay. I mean, it, it's, it's probably like a four out of 10, honestly, in terms of, I don't know, it, enjoyment, but it's hard to be like annoyed at it or like disappointed by it. It's like fine as a, podcast game there's some annoying stuff i'd say the most annoying thing other than like the simplicity and the fidelity of it they'll sometimes when you collect a supply drop at the at the top of a building it immediately teleports you down to the bottom into a cutscene. and sometimes there'll be a collectible just past the supply drop so if you get the supply drop before the collectible you have to climb the whole building over again which can sometimes take like five minutes which is just like it's it's not that big of a complaint Although given the game is as short as it is and essentially to get to the credits of the game, all you do is pick up these supply drops like that's all you're doing. It seems like a kind of annoying thing that they've done. I think it's an intentional decision, but it's still stupid. It's, it's like you've got like the supply drop in front of you and then you've got like this hidden thing and the collectibles right there and you just get annoyed that you missed it. So that, that's probably the only other major complaint i have about it but the the big problem is that it's just not that engaging i guess both in terms of gameplay in terms of characters but it's from a small team you can't really be mad at it It works it's a relaxing time it's pretty good uh so also i played minecraft as i mentioned this was way more difficult than i thought it would be because i didn't realize that it's very difficult to get into a custom world or custom server 
in Minecraft on Xbox, which is odd to me because I used to play Minecraft on PC and I remember it being quite easy. So there's tons of methods to like get this achievement world working, which is you can use like, you can download the map locally, which I think is the hardest method method because you've got, you had this app on Xbox that used to convert like the file or something, but they Microsoft got rid of the app, so you can't get it anymore. But you can download it on your PC and put it onto like a external storage and then transfer that external storage to the... That, there's like a whole... I, I didn't mess with that because also I was like, this seems like a good way to just like get my account banned, basically, given how yeah. involved this is. The other way you can do it is you can change like your DNS stuff and then when you go into like a server it should let you then choose which server you go into because the way it works at the moment on minecraft is when you go to custom servers you have like a list of like six or seven servers to choose from but you can't like search for like one beyond that list like you can't go no i don't want to join any of these i want to join like a different one but changing the dns is supposed to make it so to this like specific thing is supposed to make it so when you click on one of those options, it instead takes you to a different screen where you can then uh, choose which server to go in. That didn't work for me. And if anything, it made things worse because I couldn't even get into those other servers that I didn't want to go into. It just wouldn't let me get into any servers at that point. So the easiest way was through like this Minecraft Realms thing, which lets people host a world. And you can search for that in a much easier way. However, only 10 people can be on the world at one time for some reason. So that was annoying as well. And it didn't work the first few times for some reason, uh, because it was like, oh, your version of Minecraft's incompatible with their version of the world. And yeah, so it was way harder than I thought it would be. And I really thought it would be easy. A, because Minecraft has been around for so long. Uh, B, because Mojang have been working on Minecraft for so long. C, because Minecraft on Xbox, you know, Mojang is owned by Xbox. So you think it would be easy to do this stuff on Xbox, given it's, you know, it should, in theory, along with PC, be the lead platform for the game. You know, like if it was difficult on Nintendo Switch, I'd be like, you know, okay, you know, they've not prioritized the Nintendo Switch for this game, which would make sense. But on Xbox, it's a it's a nightmare. Then there's also the fact that Minecraft is so immensely popular, you'd think things like this would work. And then there's also that Minecraft is very popular among children who, you know, they're not going to want to go into like DNS settings and like all of these like complicated steps to get a thing to work, right? Like if you're like a five-year-old, you're not going to want to deal with that. You're going to just want to click button and get in game. So you know, it, it's it's stupid that it's that complicated for, for all of those reasons, and probably more. But I managed to get some achievements out of it, so that was good. But I feel like with the amount of time it took, it might have been better to just, like, make my own world and get them that way. Uh, I know that struggle with Minecraft, because on PlayStation, I did Platinum it. But dude, I don't even think I have 50% of the trophies, like... There's a lot. There's a both like on on Xbox and on PlayStation. There's just a lot of achievements for that game because yeah, been they going keep updating so it and adding stuff to it. It's like uh, we talked last time about how Xbox seemed to do this with all their games, 
now or a lot of their games where it's like they'll release it and then they'll do update, update, update. And it's cool because it's all like free content, but then adds achievements and trophies and they just keep doing it. So it sort of keeps you on the same game for longer. Right. Which I think is nice generally, but it can be that like, kind of like with MCC where it's like, it's, it's a good thing. It's like a blessing and a curse for achievement hunters because it's like, there comes a point where you just want to be done with the game, right? You're just like, okay, that's, I can uninstall it. I can move on. I can do so, you know, I had a great time with it, but that's it, right? I don't want my whole life to be playing, you know, Gears 5 or whatever. Like I, I, I can just play through the campaign, play maybe 20 hours of multiplayer. And then I want to be, I want to be done at that point. So it, it can be a bit annoying. I also played Rainbow Six Extraction. So I'd only played a bit of this when it came out and I've only played about 30 more minutes but I had a really good time with it and I'm surprised because this game is kind of a meme. It's kind of a, a joke. It it was announced and it was one of those like what the fuck type Ubisoft announcements and it seemed to come out and it was like the reviews were like uh, this is really mediocre and then people were like oh it's like a Rainbow Six Siege cash grab thing like it should just be an extra mode for Rainbow Six Siege but instead they're charging for it and you know, it uses the same characters from Siege, it uses similar or the same maps, you know, but it's just PvE. So the game had a lot of negativity about it, and it was another one of those. It wasn't quite as bad as, like, X Defiant or something like that, but it was kind of close. I feel like it was a bad Ubisoft announcement and bad, badly marketed product, but I can't believe how much fun it was, and I really want to play more of it, perhaps in co-op. But I don't know. The one thing that always holds me back, and this is true with Siege and Extraction, is the movement's quite sluggish, which is intentional. It's not like they designed it badly. It's because they want you to be like this big SWAT guy and they, or girl, and they want you to um, carefully weigh up your decisions, and it's a tactical sort of slower-paced shooter. But I know for me, I personally prefer fast-paced movement and different movement techniques and you know sliding and jumping around and you know sometimes having like a double jump or like boosters or things like that like i i like when the movement and the shooting are like both almost as important as each other in terms of the game and it's not just like the focus is on aim and shooting and picking your load out and, and making decisions i kind of prefer when a lot of it in terms of the twitch reflexes is is based on the movement and the shooting uh, combined. So despite that, I still enjoyed it. And I found the PvE and the stealth really engaging. I feel like I'm still so early that it'll ramp up. But it does a good job of the stealth feels quite satisfying and easy in some ways. But then when you alert everyone, it the game totally changes in that you'll like swap to your other weapon and it's about like neutralizing the threat as quickly as possible and you take tons of damage and it's hard to get health back and it's this really brutal experience when everything's alerted and that makes the stealth feel more satisfying because you know like if you're doing like a perfect run you know that how high the stakes are essentially like oh if i if i fuck this up then it's going to be like really, really bad. So then when you do well, you feel a lot better about it because it feels, 
I guess, more real. It feels you're more immersed in the game in that sense. So I think the difficulty in the design is quite clever. And when I did all the objectives in one mission stealthily, I recovered an operator of mine that had been captured. So uh, when you die, you like lose access to the character that you died with and you have to rescue them on a future mission to get them back. So that's like another really cool, like raising the stakes consequences type gameplay mechanic. That is a super cool mechanic, dude. Like, yeah. And when you unique, when you like rescue him, like it's like a whole thing to like, you have to like pull him out of this like goop and you have to like shoot these nodes to try and like get him out. And then when you get him out, you have to also carry him to the extraction zone as well, which means you're really slow and you can only have a pistol. So it's like you're going on like this big like rescue mission while also trying to do these other objectives as well. Like it adds on to what you have to do. So I did this one match where I'd like done all the objectives, done everything stealthily, rescued my guy. And when I won the mission, I got like loads of XP challenges and tons of achievements, which is always a great feeling when you stack achievements or trophies and they just like pop one after the other. Yeah, like, dude. Like boom, 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 yes, boom, boom. dude. Uh, so that really hit hit me in the dopamine receptors because not only was I like satisfied with the stealth and the gameplay and how brutal the game can be, but then you get all those rewards at the end. And I'm like, I could, you know, I stopped playing after that point and it was like only after like two matches, but I was like, this was a great time. And I could have easily just like kept, kept going for like four or five hours because yeah, it was, it was really good. Wow. I can't believe that. Yeah, that is- I, I, I can't believe I like it as well, but I mean, you know, it, it shows that you shouldn't necessarily, you know, you should always try to keep an open mind and try games for yourself if you can, or at least like don't fully like commit to an opinion without like playing a game or, or giving a game like a fair shot, I'd say, in terms of looking at reviews and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's tough because when you play enough games, when you watch gameplay and you watch reviews, I think gameplay, especially like just raw gameplay, I feel like you can get a good idea of how it plays and if it's for you or not. You know, like when you know, Saints Row came out recently and watching gameplay for that, I'm kind of like, I really don't think I'd like this. And I feel like I can, you can know to some extent, but you know, it's still important to just not be fully, I guess, committed to an opinion until you, until you play something and play it enough to sort of give give it a chance to sort of win you over. So that was, that was a nice surprise. Yeah. With things like that too, is like when I first saw it, I was like, I'm interested in that. Like I, I like aliens and I like the mechanics of siege, but I, it just was like one of those things where it's Ubisoft dude. Like I'm not day one for that ever anymore. Like, you know, like, yeah. I mean, for me, Ubisoft uh, sent me a code for it. And also it was a, another game pass game on day one so for me it was like a much easier commitment to make uh and it it makes sense for like a co-op game to you know back for blood did that as well deep rock galactic is on game pass as well that world war z world war z game was on there it makes sense for that genre i feel like but yeah i mean it seems like for that game game pass didn't really help it that much because I still feel like it came out and nobody cared about it, but I feel like it really wasn't marketed well by Ubisoft. I think they've had, they've had kind of a bad run recently with, with stuff that isn't Far Cry basically in terms of getting people excited and like, you know, ready for more in terms of what they're offering. But yeah, afterwards 
I played uh, GTA Vice City Definitive Edition. Love this game. Need to go back to it. Uh, I just did a 30-second wheelie on the beach for an achievement. That was fun. Went well. Uh, Psychonauts 2, played that. I played only like two minutes of it, which is going to disappoint everyone. I already know because I have nothing else to say about it other than I just like... I'd done the first level before and then there's an achievement that I could get that was in like the main hub place. Uh, a couple of achievements actually to do with like pins and stuff. So I just did those and then quit the game. So I need to go back to it. I've had like no problems with it at all. I did when I went back to it, I realized it had been too long though. And I think I'll want to restart that game. And it was only like the first mission that I'd done. So I may as well. I also, so my final game for this achievement quest of A to Z I find Was. it so cool that you did this. I I can't like this is something that I miss out on because I, I use PSN profiles, but I definitely want to check to see if True Trophies is doing this because this is fucking cool, dude. It's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Um, and there's no like pressure to do it. It's just like all for fun in terms of just doing it whenever. And the time limit's quite generous on stuff like this as well. I think you have like a whole month to do to do it, and I did it in like a week and a half or so. But you could. And you can make it like as difficult or as easy as you want for yourself because what's quite cool about it is when it gives you the list of achievements, it gives you it like in order of rarity. So uh, like the first ones with the letter that you need are like the least rare and so the easiest in theory. Sometimes that's not always true because some sometimes rare achievements can be quite easy weirdly and, and sometimes common ones can be quite tough. It depends on like the player base for that specific game, I think. But for the most part, you get like the list in order of easiest to hardest. So you can choose like how difficult you want like the next letter to be. If you want it to be like a press start to get an achievement, or if you want it to be like beat the game on, <laughs> you know, nightmare or whatever. But yeah, the last letter I needed was Z, And there are a lot of, well, I say a lot, the biggest amount of Zed achievements, as you would probably predict, are zombie-related and zombie-game-related. The Dead Rising games have achievements that are like, you know, zombie genocider and stuff like that. You know, kill X zombies and usually there's a few zombie achievements that are like that. Left 4 Dead has some, Dead Rising has some. I'm sure tons of other zombie games have them or games with zombies have them, beginning with Zed. But the achievement I went for was in Batman Arkham Asylum. Whoa. Because I've played Arkham Asylum on the 360, but I never played. I own the um, the ports to Xbox One. I would say remasters, but I don't think they're really... I think they are pretty much just ports. I don't think there's much difference between them and the 360 release, but I might be wrong. But yeah, so I went to Arkham Asylum... The achievement I got is to knock out uh, Zaz, who you knock him out around halfway through the game. It's like after the Bane fight. It's when you, it's like after you get like the, the claw shot thing to pull vents from like the walls and to pull stuff down. Oh, yeah. And it's after you get the explosive gel as well. So it's, it's roughly halfway through the game, I'd say, because it's past like the first mate. It's like... It's past the first two Scarecrow fights as well. It's before you fight Killer Croc as well. So it's kind of maybe 40% through the game-ish. 
So I just had like a really good time one day just playing about three to four hours of Arkham Asylum. It's been a long time since I played it. I really love that game. I'm going to definitely get the completion eventually on the Xbox One release. I probably won't go back for the 360 one as well, but I'd like to do the new one that I've now started essentially. And I figured it was a good achievement to end it on because it wasn't overly easy, but it wasn't like annoying either. It was like a nice playthrough. I did it on hard as well, which is cool. I forgot that on hard, you don't get the, uh, you know, the counter symbols, the like blue lightning bolts. Oh, Uh, like, you you know, when like an enemy's going to attack and you press Y. Yeah. um, It's like above their head. Yeah, you get like a blue lightning bolt, and then for the guys with knives, you get like a red one because you need to stun them with the cape. You can't like press Y. Uh, yeah. On hard, you don't get any of those indicators, which I didn't realize. But I actually like it more because then you end up looking at the animations and like timing it yourself, which feels quite satisfying. That is cool. I still find it tough to maintain like a really high combo with a lot of guys because it's like sometimes you're just going like counter to counter to counter to counter, and sometimes you get given like way more space than you probably should. And then you sort of get paranoid and counter early, at least in my experience. And also it's tough to try <laughs> to integrate all of the moves into your combo. So like, you know, punch a guy and then like throw a batarang at him and then, you know, claw one towards you and, and that type of thing to like raise your like free flow multiplier even higher. But yeah, really fun game. Want to play more of it. And that was that was everything in terms of the A to Z challenge. I also played uh, Space Science Investigations, which is a free NASA game. And there's another NASA game that I've played before, which is like this like trading card game thing. And that, that game sucks. I, I don't like it. I'm, <laughs> I'm annoyed that I started that game because it's an easy completion, but it's like a three to four hour completion, at least for me, because I'm an idiot. So it means that it's like still more of a commitment than I'd like it to be. But this game is a lot better. Uh, it's educational. It's not very long. Maka has a guide for it, which is about 30 minutes. Did you play this earlier this year? No. Okay, because I thought you played a NASA game earlier this year. Yeah, yeah, that's the other one. That's the card that is the game other one? one that that's what I thought. That's yeah, what yeah, I was, yeah. I was thinking it was that one. Yeah, this one's a new one, which is okay. like, a, it's like a first person. You fly around like the International Space Station. And you look at stuff and you interact with stuff and it teaches you some stuff with videos as well. It's, it's, it's okay. It's fine. I also played Immortality, which is the Sam Barlow game who did her story and telling lies. And I think he wrote Silent Hill Shattered Memories as well. It came out last week or I guess two weeks ago now as a day one game pass game. I think this is my favorite game from him. But I'm really more torn on it than I thought I would be in some ways. I think I had a really good time with it. So it's an FMV game where you're basically watching videos and you're trying to find out what happened to this actress uh, called Marissa Marcel. So you have three, I guess, fictitious movies. So, you know, they're, they're not real movies. They're made for the purpose of the game kind of obviously, but it's kind of a complicated in, in the way the game layers its narrative in some ways. And I'm not sure if all of it is earned, but I do still quite like it, but you've got these three movies and then you've got like 
behind the scenes of those movies and interviews about those movies and like rehearsals for those movies and line readings and that kind of thing. And they, the films are like spread out by a few years and you go through the clips and the way you interact with them is you zoom in on like an object or a face or a person in the frame. And then that will like match cut with a, I think it tries to be the same. So like a person who looks the same or is the same person in the same kind of, I don't know, like wearing the same clothes or the same bracelet or something, for example. And it matches it with that. And it takes you to another clip and then you, go through that clip and then you click on something and then that takes you to another clip and so on. But it's done in a non-linear way. So you never know where you're going to end up when you interact with something. So it'll just take you to another, another clip and that can be anywhere in the timeline and to do with like any of the three movies. Like it doesn't have to be the same movie, which it, it kind of annoyed me at first. It annoyed me in some ways because it's like you really want to find out like the story and you really want to understand like the story, a, the stories of the actual movies be the sort of main, you know, thrust of the game of like what happened to this woman. And a lot of the time you're sort of going between clips and unable to draw connections between them, especially early on because they're so disconnected from each other. And then you also get this issue where some of the game is, is quite boring, I think, because you don't, understand why or how it's relevant so i feel like the start of this game is really strong and it does some interesting things and then the middle of the game for me kind of dropped off because i was like i don't really get it like i feel like i'm not getting any closer to understanding what's going on and then the end of the game like when things come into perspective and you're able to discover different things and like some clips recontextualize old clips it's quite clever like really clever in like a, a, a puzzle box type sense. And I think all of the performances are great. And I think the films, when you can actually like stay on track with them are interesting. And I'm not sure, I, I don't want to go into spoilers with anything as well. So it's, it's difficult to talk about the game in, in any sort of depth. I'd recommend it quite strongly still because I find that it has stuck with me more than most narrative games. And where did you play this? I played it on Xbox. I'm very curious. Does it have like an interface? Like it's a PC. Uh, you have like a cursor that you move yeah. around. See, and I was thinking with games like this, I think they, they suit better for PC. Cause then you get a little bit more immersed in that idea that like, so when you, boot up the game you're kind of like on a monitor or something and then you get to click around right yeah it doesn't control brilliantly because you're also a lot of the time you can be like you can fast forward and you can rewind and you can go frame by frame and that kind of thing yeah so i feel like that would control better on pc as well i think the game's really cool to talk about to people and what i love about it is that there's so many layers to it and there's so much going on that different people will get different things out of it. And because of how nonlinear it is, people will go through the journey in different ways. Like I was talking to some people while they were playing it and it's like you sort of share notes at some point. You're like, how did you get this thing? Like, you know, I had this thing happen and I don't know how I had it happen, but 
you know, and, and that kind of thing. You have those discussions about it and it's got like lots of secrets and things to find that are fascinating. It's a very sort of intricate puzzle, I guess, to solve. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because I've seen a lot of people say the game's a masterpiece, give it a 10 out of 10. I know on Open Critic it has like a 92 or a 91 or something. So people really connect with it, but I can tell it's not for everyone while I play it. And I feel like for me, I could easily see when I was like kind of bored by it. If I dropped it, then I feel like I'd be like, this game sucks. Like there's nothing interesting about it, but because I like played through the whole thing and discovered more and more about it, it made it worth it. And I think it's great. I'm not sure if I'm as positive as many of the reviews are. And it's something where I don't have all the achievements. One of the achievements was glitched, which is obviously really annoying. Oh. It's been fixed now. They fixed it really quickly. So they fixed it within like a week. So I need to go back to it to get the achievements. And then that will mean getting more clips as well. So I've not seen absolutely everything from the game. And it was on like an uphill trajectory when I was last playing it. But I've, yeah, I, I feel like I understand most of what's going on. And I'd recommend it to people, but it's kind of tentative because you, you have to be in the right mood for it and you have to be like the right type of person that would engage with this kind of game because it is really like a, you sit back and watch this game and the performances and the writing are great, I think. Especially, I don't know, it, I mean, it, it sounds like a backhanded insult and I guess it is to some extent, but I'd say especially for like, gaming it's very good like i'm not sure how it would stand up if it was like a film or a tv show in its own right i feel like there it would probably be weaker but as a game it kind of works better so yeah i'd recommend it i think you might love this game more than me and it's my favorite from the writer from what i've played i've played telling lies and uh her story, I believe. So, yeah, See, I'm familiar with her story, and that's the one that I would play probably on PC because I do know that it's like in a, it's you're like going around files on a computer and stuff, and I'm like, it would just feel so immersive to do that on a PC. But I don't know how I feel about games like this because you were saying like people give it a ten out of ten, and for me, this is something that I've been dealing with a lot since I've been like rating games on backlogged. But whenever I think about how I'm going to rate something, if I don't ever like if i'm good with putting the game down and never picking it up again it usually loses like maybe two points or a point because it's like how is that relevant like as a great game it just i i think the games inherently how they are and same with movies and anything else is like if you love something you should want to probably do it again if you had infinite time like you would play it again or you would watch it again or do whatever and i'm like if there's a story game that i'm good and i don't ever need to replay it it's going to drop a couple points because just is that way for me. And I'm curious, like how this is for people if they're like, man, in a couple years, I'd love to replay this because it's so, it's so good. Yeah. I don't think it's a game where you necessarily replay it, but for, right. for me, that's not how, like, I don't necessarily see things that way. I think games can, you know, that games are sort of in can be intentionally designed so that they're, one meant to be played once and then that's it right and i think yeah. that's that's fine if it's part of the design but i think 
I kind of feel similarly about it to how I felt about 12 minutes. It kind of reminds me of that game where it's like you had, you know, some reviewers that were like super positive about it, some that like absolutely hated it. And I'm sure that's going to be the same with Immortality. And then, you know, I, I liked it. I thought it was it was a really fun game and really interesting. And it had, you know, similar to this game, it had like layers to its narrative where it was like, you know, you think one thing's going on, but it might be some other thing. And then piecing everything together can be really satisfying by the end of it. And that's how I feel about this. Like the games have a lot of parallels with each other, both in terms of their, I suppose, controversial aspects and in terms of what people love about them. And for me, I I feel like I've been more negative than I really am about the game because it's, I think, my second favorite new game of this year after Elden Ring. But as we're going to talk about later... You know, it, it's been a backlog year, so you know, second place isn't necessarily as big an endorsement as it would be, perhaps in in other years. At the moment, absolutely. And is uh, is that was that your last game? No. So I've got I've got oh. Plague Tale as well. Oh yeah, I can't wait. So this game leaves Game Pass on the fifteenth of September, and the sequel comes out October eighteenth. And so I felt like. I've got to play it now, basically, because it's going to leave Game Pass and I want to play the sequel if I like the original. And I enjoyed Plague Tale. At first, I'd say I was really loving it. Like, at first, I was like, this game is incredible. The first, I don't know, four chapters or so, maybe. And I don't want to go into, like, spoilers of, like... I feel like I'd need spoilers to talk about why, but I was really hooked by the world and the characters. And... Eventually, the game kind of lost me a, a little, but not like to an extent where it's like the game was disappointing or the game was bad or anything like that. Like the game's probably a seven out of ten for me because it still is really competent and engaging and, and fun in terms of how fresh and unique it, it feels in terms of like, I guess this. I mean, it's almost like a you know, like a this like third person action adventures type stealth game. Yeah, and not only that, but it's the setting and and what's going on. Like the bl- the Black Plague dude is like, you don't see this a lot in games, and that time period and just like the way that it's set and it just kind of like you said, those first four chapters they are it's rolling, man. A lot's happening and it's just kind of like chaotic and yeah, it, I think it, it's really cool. But I think I'm quite a negative person and i really appreciate the like the time period is really oppressive and then also the like you've got like these threats from the inquisition and the english and then you've got this threat from the rats you've got this threat from disease and you've got threat from like scared villagers that are just like in the mix as well so it feels like really bleak like it it feels like there's nowhere that's that's safe there's nowhere that's really calm and and that really does a good job in terms of the setting and the time period because it would it would really suck to be alive back then i feel like um i mean i'm sure it it being more simple is probably positive but you know it's the it's the type of game where you play it and you're like really thankful that you know like you you feel like life sucks sometimes but you're like it could be it could be way worse um, 
historically speaking. So when I when I first finished that game, when I was talking about it to other people, all I kept saying was like, man, if this game had just a little more budget, like if this game had just a little more budget, this game would have been incredible. Like because I I've kind of came out in the same area. I was like, it's an eight out of ten for me. Like it was it was good, but it wasn't it wasn't great. Yeah, it wasn't at first I was so like, this is unique, and I've never played anything like it. But then I think the gameplay, like initially with the sling, it's like it feels really satisfying to like hit people in the head with it. But then yeah, eventually it's kind of like I don't know the illusion of it being unique kind of fades because then you get like they introduce crafting and you know you you crouch around and it's like oh you you know you build this to get rid of the helmets and then you hit them in the head and it's like the same thing over and over again and the amount of games where you you know crouch walk and open a backpack to crouch to craft a, a thing and then you know shoot the thing at the at the guys and ammo present like it just feels i don't know yeah like the the setting and the story and the start of the game when it's like introducing all of these things it feels really unique. And then eventually it's like, okay, so now, now we're just like a standard, like narrative focused stealth action game, I guess. And yeah, it can be kind of, I don't know, like the level design isn't really that interesting. There's stuff where you like go back to the same places multiple times as well. And that, that feels like you said about like a lack of budget perhaps where it's like they had to, maybe stretch out the chapters and couldn't give you like as many unique environments and different set pieces. And I think the story as well, kind of there's a few chapters where the story feels like it kind of stalls. Like it's like, okay, so now it's just like, it's just, there's a few chapters where it's just like dudes hanging out. Basically it's like, Oh, you know, just, just chilling, you know? And it's like, I, I don't know. I feel like it kind of kills the pacing a little. So yeah, I really like the game. And I highly recommend it. I hope that, I mean, the sequel has so much potential as well in terms of how they can build off of it because the game intentionally limits like your combat abilities. It limits your stealth abilities as well. You know, there's not really much going on in terms of gameplay. So you feel like the sequel can capitalize on that either in terms of expanding like the weapon systems and um, maybe evasion and also in terms of enhancing the stealth and maybe giving you some more abilities in that sense as well, uh, but also obviously scaling up the threats and the enemies to account for that. I feel like the sequel has like a perfect opportunity because the first game is kind of quite reserved in terms of the tools that it gives you for the most part until kind of, I'd say maybe maybe the end is is a bit different, but yeah, highly recommended you know, if you if you have time to play it before it leaves Game Pass, you should. But the sequel, it's probably going to be a day one play for me. And yeah, I was I was really surprised by this. I shouldn't have put off this game for so long. Yeah, and again, another thing you were talking about all the stuff that they just. I'm telling you, dude, budget would help with all that stuff. The variety, the enemy density, all kinds of stuff. And it's like, man, I think they have the budget on this next game, and it, it could look really, really really good like yeah i'm very sure. excited for that game and it's uh it's an easy completion as well uh it's only like eight to 15 hours depending on yeah. if you use a guide to, for collectibles or if you need to restart chapters or for that's what i was getting resources and stuff you. like that 
I was about to ask you, was it two playthroughs or was it one with a guide and two if you don't use a guide? No, it was one. It, it took me about eight hours and I used the collectible guide for it. Yeah, so just looking for the collectibles, really. Okay. But even without, I think you can just use chapter select for a lot of the collectibles and it's quite quick because the chapters aren't very long. I think there's a lot of chapters. There's like 18 chapters. But the game's not that long. Most of the chapters are like 10, 20 minutes, so it's quite quick to go back to get stuff. I think the only problem is um, for like there's an achievement for all of the upgrades for your uh, sling, yeah. and that's quite tough if you've not... like The way it saves the game is when you go back to chapter select, it will save your resources that you've collected, and even if you beat the chapter and move on to the next one, if you'd already got to that chapter before, it like resets your progress on resources apparently. So so I think that can screw people over. But there is a glitch that lets you do like all of the upgrades at chapter ten as well. So and you can also do it in one playthrough anyway. So even without the glitch, you can just get enough resources and be fine. So I didn't find it too difficult. Yeah, there's no like difficulty specific stuff. There's like all the achievements except for the collectibles are just like miscellaneous, like small things as well. Finding secrets, things like that, which are basically like their own form of collectibles, really. But finally, I've also been playing uh, Call of Duty World War II. So I started this due to the A to Z challenge, but I'd got far enough into the campaign that I thought I may as well finish it. And I want to play through all of the COD campaigns anyway. I've played through most of them, but this was one that I never got to. And I'd already got all the multiplayer achievements. So what I normally do when a Call of Duty game comes out is I get the multiplayer achievements first because it's like you need to get them to get them out of the way because when the servers die or when all the players become too good, then you're fucked at that point. So get the multiplayer stuff first and then you just have like campaign and zombies and that's going to be like way easier than leaving the multiplayer for last and then needing to like struggle through with either against players that know what they're doing or struggling to find lobbies and game modes that you want to play. And sometimes you get achievements that are on game modes that no one likes, and then it's like really impossible. So always do the multiplayer stuff first, then do everything else after. And that's, that's how I do it. That's my advice for anyone trying to get all the achievements in the COD games. So that'll be what I'll do with Modern Warfare 2 as well. So I've done the campaign on veteran. I've got all the campaign achievements, but I've got to say, I think it's one of the worst COD campaigns that I've played, maybe the worst, definitely of the past few years, but it still wasn't like offensively bad. It was totally serviceable and fine. It's just like the level design and the story are really forgettable for me, at least. I feel like it's like, it doesn't take any risks with where it goes. It doesn't, you, you play it and you wish you were just playing like Wolfenstein, the new order, because it's just like that game goes so that game goes like crazy and like the weapons are more satisfying. The levels are so much more memorable. The options in terms of stealth and like the maps are like huge for you to explore and like however you want to go through it. Like I was playing it and I was like, I really, really wish I was playing this other Nazi killing game instead of this one. And the story, it's not like innately bad, but they don't go anywhere with the characters. Like you're, you're stuck with this one squad for the whole game which I'm not necessarily a fan of because I feel like with World War II as your setting, it's a really good opportunity to have like 
you know, to have like a British campaign, to have like an American campaign, to have like a Russian campaign. And then you can do like lots of different things with the geography and like, you know, kind of like a greatest hits collection of like the war at that point. But this game decides to stay on one squad, this American squad on the Western front. And they're just like pushing through like France and liberating France and, you know, going through to Poland and all of that. Uh, And that's, that's fine. But I feel like if you do that, the central squad of characters has to be really compelling. You have to really care about them. You want them to like get out of every situation. You want them to, I don't know, have a good relationship with each other. That's compelling in some way, play off of each other. And they try to do it with gameplay because you can request supplies from different squad mates. So like from the medic, you can get health from the grenadier. You can get grenades, that kind of thing. But, and and I appreciate that they could maybe make that, make that connection between them and you, because then if you're not with them, then it's like you, you lose a resource in gameplay. And so that feels like it, it has more emotional weight to losing them rather than just like losing them in a cutscene or being separated in cutscene. But the characters really weren't interesting to me. Um, everything felt quite predictable in terms of the story. They sort of set up like, Oh, maybe like the leader of your group is a bit nuts. You know, he's gone a bit crazy because of the war and, you know, he's, he offers, you know, he, he gives you an order, but the order isn't like a, a good order. You think it's either bad, like strategically, or it's bad in terms of it's like suicide. And so then it's like, Oh, the conflict between, you know, obeying orders and disobeying orders. And, you know, this guy is going to get us all killed, but we can't overthrow him. And it, I, I feel like it's been done a lot of times before and it's not really done in like a a powerful way in this game and it doesn't deliver on anything. Everything just feels so safe and, and dull and it's just really repetitive. But I was impressed by some things. I mean, all the achievements work fine. Veteran is enjoyable. Uh, the guns are fun to use. I mean, they're not amazing. They're not that like super interesting, but they're satisfying enough. The movement's fine, and the game has ridiculous production values in a good way. You know, what? what's always really impressive about Call of Duty is because they have, you know, a million different teams working on this, and the budget must be insane, that when you play it, it's kind of like, you know, you, you, you really get a sense for, like, how much money and how, how many people and how much time has been put into this and it, it's it's good as well in the sense of most cod players don't care about the campaign at all and yet they still provide this you know campaign with like you know fantastic looking cutscenes and you know somewhat engaging set pieces and everything has that like level of polish that kind of makes you sit back in awe sometimes but it's all to serve something which fundamentally isn't that fun or compelling which is a shame so yeah I don't, I don't recommend the campaign but i don't like i'm not like you should actively avoid it either because it's got easy achievements and it's it's totally fine if you like playing call of duty you're gonna have like an all right time with it and so there's there's a lot worse that you could do and it's only like five hours long as well which helps in terms of if it was like 15 hours i feel like i'd, I'd want to die by the end of it but five hours is fine the other stuff that- i was doing Oh, sorry, you you go. With what you were saying about Call of Duty and the budget and how many people work on it, dude, I felt that way when I played the new Modern Warfare. It was like 
I was like, wow, like just, I just imagine like the, what is it? Avatar is the highest like budget movie ever. And it's like, that's what this game is. Like, yeah, it's sure. It feels especially ridiculous because, because of the fact that they get one out every year, right? Like they, they get it out every year, but it's like, it's not quite like rockstar like naughty dog level but it's really close it's like really close to that level of like budget and like i don't know like effort put into it i think it's like it's create it's always like creatively less interesting you know it's the issue is like like i've been saying about this the issue is the creative part right because it's kind of you know it's not the same thing over and over but a lot of the time it's very similar and very um safe because it's this huge like mass market product and it feels more like a product than a piece of art sometimes as well. So like creatively, it's not all there, but in terms of like the amount of money and like production that goes into it, it's like you play it and it's ridiculous. And it, it feels especially ridiculous when you're like, they put out one of these things every single year. And it's like, they do it like without fail somehow. And it's, it, it's crazy. You you sort of play it and you're like, even, even if this is like mediocre, you're like, it's, it, it's wild that they can, they can produce this at this level and do it so regularly. Yeah. The other thing I've been doing in COD World War II is I have zombies achievements to get. And I've got all of those. I got all of them yesterday. The Easter egg in this zombies map. The zombies maps are really fun. I quite like it. Um, and thank God the Easter egg can be done solo. Because some of the Easter eggs in zombies in past games, they have to be done in co-op. In like two player or I think one or two require four player co-op which i hate like i really wish they just let you do stuff solo because finding like three other people that are as dedicated that have the same like timings and that a lot of these easter eggs you have to like learn the steps like you have to go and like you basically have to like study for it essentially and when you play multiplayer you can't pause the game either so you have to like have this information in your head because you know, you don't have time to like pause it and like look stuff up. So doing it co-op is like a ridiculous amount of effort. I mean, it's easier if you do get like, if you get four dedicated people, it's easier to do stuff co-op than it is solo. But I really appreciate about this Easter egg that you can fully do it solo. However, each attempt takes minimum two hours, maximum probably four hours, closer to three. And so I felt myself going insane because it's really difficult. Some of it requires RNG, at least in terms of doing it on like a low round. And if you go to a high round in zombies, it's much more difficult to actually stay alive. So in terms of like balancing the points, it's tough. In terms of the amount of steps, it's outrageous. The amount of stuff you have to do is it's like a it's like a textbook worth of stuff that you have to do. Uh, you can pause at any time, which like, thank God it lets you do that. But it's like, there's like a million things you have to do. I mean, I, I should send you at some point the like guides that I used for it, because it's like, you'll get like a 25 minute video telling you what to do. And it will be like sped up most of the time in terms of the gameplay. And then also it'll be like, uh, we don't have time in this video. So here's a bunch of stuff that you also have to do. And it's like a wall of text, like on the screen, it's like 10 steps. It's like, do, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and then move on to the next round. And then it's like, got all that. So if the video covered like absolutely everything in normal speed, it'd be like two and a half hours long. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like a whole game in itself basically. And that's per attempt. So if you like Jeez. mess it up, 
you know, if your game crashes like two hours in, it's over. You gotta, you gotta do it again. So I never had any like technical issues. Thankfully it was just like, either I'd just get like bad luck and like a thing wouldn't spawn when it's like has a chance to spawn. There's a lot of stuff where you have to keep like special types of zombies alive and then like kill them in a particular way. But it's like, if you kill them in the wrong way, then it takes ages for them to like spawn back. Like it's like several rounds in the future and like way harder. So it's worth just like resetting at that point. Yeah, it's a really tough Easter egg, but it was fun. I think the zombies mode is easily better than the campaign and probably better than the multiplayer as well, actually. So yeah, I enjoyed COD World War II, have the completion. I might get the DLC because the DLC, all the achievements are based on zombies and I enjoyed the zombies. Even though it was hell, I enjoyed the zombies and I've heard the other Easter eggs aren't quite as bad as the first one. And also, uh, the DLC has 2,000 gamer score, so it takes you up to 3,000 overall if you get all the DLC. So I might go back and do that. I'm not sure. Part of me wants to wait until if Xbox buy Activision. I don't think the DLC will end up on Game Pass, but I could imagine they might do like a Activision Blizzard like celebration sale, you know, that kind of thing, where they do like a, like, you know, you know, like the day like they the acquisition is finalized. They might be like, oh, you know, know, big sale on all the DLC and all the games and stuff. And here's all the stuff coming to Game Pass, that kind of thing. But I mean, that acquisition is going to take, I mean, if it happens, it will probably be the middle of next year and it might not happen at all. And also um, a lot of the stuff might be like stuck in contracts in terms of marketing with sony and that kind of thing and then also they might not even want to do a sale on the dlc so there's a lot of factors that kind of go against this so i'll probably just end up buying the dlc anyway maybe if it goes on like a smaller sale in the next few months or just buy maybe one of them for full price do the dlc see if i feel like doing the next one afterwards and taking it from there perhaps but yeah i mean activision blizzard they uh especially for call of duty they keep those games at a, a pretty high price and the DLC stays at a high price, especially even more so than the games. And, you know, I understand why they, they sell like crazy, but that's it. That's that's all of my games, finally. Dude, you got so much gaming in. It's amazing. I don't have nearly as much and I actually even shortened it. This is an interesting thing that happened and I will explain it as I as I go about, but the first game and I did get the platinum that I played was Sifu. It's platinum number 237 and dude, I love this game. Holy shit. It was so fun. I played it on normal to begin and like uh, I think I finished the game at age 53 and I was I kept replaying levels like it wasn't something where I just played through all the way to the end. I just was like the first level I beat it and I was like, yeah, I'm playing the first level again. And I'm going to get like a better because the way that it works is like you play that level and then whatever age you get at the end, you can start the next level and it will checkpoint it there. And so I just start over and be like, what's the lowest age I can get on this? Because there's two playthroughs that you have to do. Well, I take that back. There's one playthrough where you have to you have to get through the game at age 25 or less. And so when I'm thinking about how I want to do this, it's like if on my first run, if I want to get close to that, where I am age 30 or something on my first playthrough, then I got to 
be the lowest possible I can on each level. And then I got really good at every level and I really, really enjoyed it. And the art direction is so good, dude. I really hope this is like whenever goatee conversation comes around, I hope people are saying this. I hope like it's in their conversation. I hope people are like, did you play Sifu? Because that game was, it's a runner up to Elden Ring. It's a runner up to Horizon or whatever. It's like, or maybe it's better than those. And it's just like, man, it is, it's concise. There's five missions. It's just about mastering the game, which I think is so fucking cool because, you know, it's it's a fighter of some kind. So, yeah, something that's uh, nice about this year in terms of slower releases on the AAA front is that it means stuff like Sifu and Tunic and Immortality, they get sort of more of a spotlight, right? Because I said, like, Immortality is my second best game of this year and you really love Sifu. And it's nice to sort of have like, I don't know, like the the pace of indie games feels like it hasn't suffered as much as the pace of AAA games. And so that means that you're going to get more representation of indies in terms of game of the year conversations than you would in a typical year, which is good because I think it will encourage more people to play indie games potentially because, you know, they're, they're near and dear to me because I think a ton of indie games are like, better than you know most AAA games i don't think there's really you know we've we've talked this episode a lot about budget but and and how budget can improve things but if you've got like a simple idea that's like executed well at like a scale that like knows its own limits then there's absolutely nothing wrong with that like you can make a masterpiece with a low budget you know it, it's more difficult and there's you know you probably have to be more creative in a lot of ways, but you know, at the end of the day, like for me, I think, I think some people have like a, I don't know, they kind of turn their nose up at like indies in terms of like, Oh, you know, this is good, but it's not, you know, it's not as good as, you know, triple A game, you know? Right. So it's like, for me, there's not that like distinction, like a game's a game and there's tons of indie games where I've played them for hundreds of hours and I'd rather play even more of them than, so many AAA games. So yeah, for me, it, it's nice that you've got this like steady flow still of indie games while sort of AAA isn't around. So hopefully towards the end of the year, they do get more of a spotlight and they do get more of a spotlight when they come out as well. With a lot of my friends, I talk doom and gloom a lot about like single player, the state of the industry and like I don't really have a positive outlook on it. I keep thinking like, man, the monetization is getting really bad in the games industry. If the if they're not doing that, I mean, look at Sony, dude. They used to be like a huge, huge temple for like single player games. And now they have 10 live service games in development. It's like, bro, what is happening? Like, it seems to be trending in the opposite direction. Maybe it's just to catch up with like the rest of the industry or I don't know. But it's like, man, I'm going to be really disappointed these next coming years with Sony's output because those aren't my kind of games i like single player but i always tell my friends is like indies are leading the way man they like see i'm not gonna say single player is dead because i know that the single player games are gonna come out of these indie studios and they're gonna be fucking awesome sifu is like the shining example of that you know what else is from this year that's a shining example of that stray dude that game's not even like hardcore it's just really fun and people like really enjoyed it and like indie games you know like it it doesn't have to be the most high budget thing ever but they're really really good single player games and i really 
I really tried with Sifu. Like I went back and I, I played it on normal probably about four or five hours for a couple nights. I probably put in, put in around 30 hours. And then I just was like at this point where I'm like, I could platinum this on normal because I got to level three and I was age 23. And I was like, I could put in another week or two of time on this or I can bump the difficulty down and finish it tonight. And I did that. I just bumped it down and I finished it that night. And I was like, that's awesome. Now I can play something else. And I, you know, I, I texted a whole bunch of people and I was like, you know, like from discord. And I was like, I know that you did it and I, you wanted me to stay strong on normal, but I'm just like, but time is so valuable. And I respect every person who got the platinum before, like, cause this game launched without the difficulty patch. So there was no easy and there was no hard. It was just normal. That's like, there was one way to play the game. And that's like how I wanted to, to play it as the uh, creator's intent. And I got to say, I had a lot of fun when I bumped it down to easy. It didn't make the game easy by any stretch of the imagination. You still have to like work. You will die on easy. Like the game will kick your ass. If, you, if you're not paying attention and some dude gets a good combo in on you and then you lose, you know, half your health, it's scary. It can be very scary and it, it it's very, very fun. But it's like, because I put so much practice in on normal and I had reactive times that were faster and I could take less, I had less damage to take and all that. So when I bumped it down to easy, it was significantly easier for me to get through the game. I mean, it probably, I don't know, it took maybe an hour or two to get all the way through like three bosses. And I didn't even like go up in age at all because I was just so good. And it was like, that's because I put the time in on normal. If I would just would have started on easy, I can imagine that would have been a grind. But because I, I was trying so hard, it's 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 a pretty big difference between like you get a little bit more health and you take a little bit less damage on easy. But I don't think really the attacks change too much. The enemies don't slow down or anything like that. It's still quick and it's they're they're not as they're not as aggressive. So you won't have like. You know, maybe you'll only have two attacking you instead of three at, a th- at the same time or three instead of four, depending on the scenario. And it's it can be really uh, changing. But I, like I said, it just the way the game is like built and how um, fluid it is and like how responsive everything is. When you bump it down to easy and you kick ass, it feels so fucking good. It feels so fucking good. But I respect the hell out of people who had the perseverance to just do that and like i said aj you know that i platinumed rogue legacy this year and it's like dude i could have done with again with a week or two more practice of sifu i could have easily done it but i kind of was getting bored there's five levels and playing the same level for five hours at a time just to master it is very very like repetitive and hard on me and so i was just like yeah i'm just gonna knock it down so i have like a little bit of shame in doing that, but I also had so much fun with the game that I can't even, I can't even be mad or disappointed in myself because it was so much fun. It was so much fun. It, it's a game I haven't deleted yet because it's like, man, what if I want to get on one night and I want to run the museum? Like, what if I do? Because I could. It's fun. <laughs> like, just taking out guys with knives and then you know picking up a weapon off the thing or like, there's a trophy where you you throw somebody into the water and it's like the way of the water, my friend. And it's like you, you're up three stories and you threw them into a fountain and you just got a nice little trophy. And I'm like, that's just so awesome because there's so much responsiveness. It's like, if you grab someone and you're close to railing, you throw them over the railing or maybe you're close and you do 
you see an execution, you press left, and then you do the execution, you you know, you do it up against the wall. Or if you don't want to do it up against the wall, then you can like push back. And it, it just feels like there's intent with the way that you see the combat going. And because of the way that the controls are set up, it's like you can just make sure that it happens in a fluid way. Now, will you be interrupted and blocked? That can happen, yes. But it just, it feels really, really, really good. And I hear a lot of people complain about cheap deaths and stuff. And that's why like a lot of people complain to get the difficulty patch in. They're like, change the difficulty. It's too cheap. It's like, I don't know if it's cheap. There's definitely bosses where they will break your guard and that does get annoying. But if you're right, perfect and you learn their movesets, I feel like it's, I mean, obviously it's doable. A lot of people did it. So I didn't ever feel cheated or cheap by that, but I really, I really love that game. It's, it's one of the best games of 2022 for me, for sure. But uh, the second game that I completed was Eye of the Somnium Files. Uh, it's number 238. In the Discord that we're in, AJ, everybody talks about this game. And I knew it was a story-based game. And I was like, this is what I want after a couple of games where I've been going hard on, on uh, combat and like lack of story and just gameplay focus. So I kind of went into this game. And the funny thing is, and I think that a lot, if anybody listens to this, they're going to laugh. But man, I fell asleep during this game a lot. And it wasn't exactly because it was boring. Not at all. I actually thought it was super engaging and super good. It was just like the way that I was playing it. I'd sit down at night. I'd be in my chair. It'd be quiet. It'd be cozy. And then I just, the way the music is set up and I just was falling asleep over and over. And I'm like, I got to get. And then there was just one night where, man, everything started to click with that game. And I constantly was like, it's a murder mystery. And it's like point and click kind of adventure. You you click on someone, you choose your dialogue, you look around the room, you click on something and then dialogue pops up and you're like, well, I just learned something. So now I can take that to a different scene. And then, you know, it kind of like progresses like that. So there's not a, there's really actually, there's quick time events and that's the gameplay. That's probably the most gameplay gameplay or gameplay focus thing in there it's just quick time events and they're very very easy and they're very funny like the game's got a lot of humor in it i gotta say but i kept trying out like i would tell my friend you know this is gonna happen this is gonna happen he's like i'm okay okay and i'm like yeah i know it i'm right and then and then something would happen and i would be so wrong and i would be like i called that the whole time (laughs) and it was just it was just so much fun dude like the game really does have a lot of twists and turns, and I don't think anybody who tried to predict what was going on could predict what was happening. Like, it, it's so bizarre, and the way the game has timelines, so you you're gonna finish like a you go down an arc based on your decisions, and it's like when you get to the end of it, you have to go back to a point where it diverges and then go down a different path, you know. And the game isn't like. Um, Detroit become human or or heavy rain or anything like that it's it's got this you don't see the same scenes over and over again like I don't know if you've tried to platinum any of those games but they they kind of suck because you, you will see a lot of the same scenes over and over again and then it kind of diverges from there yeah that, but that awful trying to like discover every pathway yeah but this one has like there's these dream states okay I guess this is another gameplay element there's like these puzzle states of the game and and you just solve the puzzle different ways and it completely changes everything, literally everything. So like you might trust a character 
by going in their dream and like they're like trust me and it's like okay i'm gonna trust you and then the next time you play through they're like trust me and you're like no fuck you (laughs) and then you like do other things in that dream state where you don't trust them and like that completely alters everything in the timeline and then as you like go through the story and i'm trying to be as vague as possible because i don't like want to spoil this for anybody but as you go through the story every arc that ends that you see the ending to and like the murder mystery and you think you have a suspect you think everything is going one way or another it just continues to explain what you what you saw in the different timelines and i finished the game and i i'm not really sure if i could say there's a definite timeline not until i play the second one but it it really is it's really a special game and i i'm really happy that i played it that's why i'm I'm like really excited uh one of my friends is gonna mail me the his copy of the second one and like that way i don't have to buy it for 60 bucks or anything like that and it's just like i'm really really excited to play that game so nice i um, I feel like you know i'm never gonna go anywhere near it yeah, no, you're not, because it's very anime, dude. It's yeah. so anime, but it's it's anime, and it's fucking hilarious, dude. There's so much shit in this game where I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, it starts a sequence where, like, someone died, and then, like, the next sequence is, like, this character just fucking dancing for, like, three minutes, and it's like, why is, why is this happening? <laughs> why? I don't know. It's so weird, but it's yeah, so sounds, great. Uh, sounds terrible, but, I mean, it's, for me, it's like... Uh, you know like i I feel like if i play a weeb game i have to play like persona 5 or something like i have to like that has to be surely one of those has to be like the one if if i try any of them right i feel like but i don't know maybe maybe i should uh poll people and and see what what people say i would say yes ask everyone because they'll know a little better than i do but i think that AJ, if you play this game, I think you will laugh a lot. Like, is it an anime trope that you laugh at? Is it the ridiculousness of the game? Is it... And then I think that you'll thoroughly enjoy the narrative. The narrative is very, very funny, but it's also... I don't know. It's really cool how they did it. It's... There's a lot of really, really cool stuff. Like, I was like, I don't understand how that happened. And then I keep playing and I'm like, wait! what and then that makes that and it's just like oh man i can't even exp- i can't go into it without spoiling stuff but really good writing and it doesn't feel like there's plot holes which there should be because there's so many timelines that you have to do it's probably like eight or nine of them and it just it's it's pretty good it's pretty good i can't wait to play the second one i don't think i'm gonna like the second one as much as the first one though that's just my my gut feeling because i have heard that you play the different character in the second one and i don't want I, I want I wanted the main character to be the same, but we'll see how it goes because you know you never know. I'm gonna keep an open mind. But the last game that I'm playing and it's something I started a couple nights ago, and man, I don't want to be negative on this game, but I'm playing Hat in Time, and I think it's just because of my mood. It's very like mid. It's it's I almost am tempted to turn on a podcast while I play. How far it, but into you? Uh, chapter three. Okay. And I yeah, think, I think I, it I think it uh gets better as it goes along, honestly. I think so too. That chapter chapter is it chapters that it's in? Episode? I don't know. The second level, the second world where it's like the two penguins or the birds that are creating movies. I didn't really like that one very much. And uh it was kind of like hitting a wall for me. But then when we got to like this the I'm on the third one where 
Is that the this, spooky forest one? Yes, it's okay. so good. It's so cool. But I'm a little lost in the forest. So I need it. I think that I need to go buy a badge or from like one of the uh, from one of the shops where you can use your hats for a longer period of time because there's like this fox mask that I put on and then it can make objects like solid. But as I'm climbing up, the mask runs out and then I can't get up to the top and I'm like, God damn. So there's just like stuff where I have to backtrack. And it's, that's been my biggest problem with the game is just the structure where I'm like, I'm going through the first world and then it locks out the last level. And I'm like, God damn it. Now I have to start the next one and like get whatever that needs to come back to this one. And little big planet wasn't really like that. It was like you do world one and you can get all the collectibles and ace all of that stuff and then move to the next world. And I really like the way the games do that. And I understand that this one's being a little different because of the mustache girl and like the story threads that are running through every level. But I got to a point in the second level where it locked me out of another one. And then I'm probably going to hit a point in the third one, either where I get something and I can go back to the first two or I'm going to hit another lock and I have to keep going. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, kind of, it has it has to be this way, but when you get further in, that stops happening, which is cool. Okay. Because when you unlock everything, it's like, obviously then you can just do everything, like, first try at that point, which is nice. Absolutely. But that's what I've been doing, is kind of like, uh, I got as many of the yarns as I could in the first level, or, like, first area, and... The Mafia Town, that's what it's called. God, I, I really did like the level structure and the level design of that of that one. It's really cool, and especially the way that they toy with it, like depending on if there's a mission, like different missions, it's it's a generally it's a water level, but then one time it's like a it's like a lava level, and it's just so it's just so cool what they've done to like really spice up one area. And I'm having a good time. It's charming. The writing has made me laugh a couple times, which is it's super good. You don't see that much in games where it's there's some comedy, but like I said, I'm just hitting a wall. I think it just, I just got to keep pushing through. Cause I really, I'm, I don't know how I feel. It's just like, it's average for me. It's a pretty average game. Yeah. I mean, I think I gave it what a seven maybe. Yeah. And, that's what um, I would give it six or seven. I think it gets better as it goes on. So yeah, but I mean, it's like with anything, right? You have to be in the right mood for specific genres and sub genres, I think. And just, yeah, there's stuff outside of your control that can change how you feel about something. I mean, that's why even, you know, opinions and reviews in general, like they're all totally subjective because they not only depend on personal opinion and experiences, but also sort of like intangible factors about, you know, mood and how you can feel sort of going into it and what you've just finished playing and that that kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, I, I'd keep going with it just because I think it does get better as it goes along. And I think, you know, it's one of those games as well where it's like you unlock these different hats that give you more abilities, but the abilities like stack on top of each other, right? So the hats at the start really aren't very interesting at all. But as you get more, they get like more interesting. But then also you use like those hats along with the previous hats to do more like platforming challenges. So it's like, the complexity of the gameplay builds up and then it becomes more satisfying and more challenging and interesting because in my opinion, a a big problem with the early game is that it it can be 
not too engaging because of how simple and straightforward everything is. And when things aren't simple and straightforward, it's it's not that the platforming is challenging. It's that you don't know what to do. Like you're just like, I don't know where to go or what I need to who I need to talk to or that kind of thing. Like it's that kind of difficulty, which is always the worst kind of difficulty because it doesn't feel yeah. satisfying. And the platforming is really easy at the start. So yeah, I think uh it gets better in terms of like the when you unlock more of the hats and you have to use them, you know, switch out of using them and solving more puzzles with it and doing more difficult platforming with it. So yeah. I can see myself liking that stuff a lot because I'm already seeing that and I love it. But it's just like what you said. It's the difficulty of like, I don't know what to do right now in the forest. Maybe I just need to like focus on some of the tasks that the the dude gave me. But I just got to like this. So the exact part that I'm at is I'm in the haunted forest and there's like some goo or water or something. And when you get into it, there's like these hands that'll drag you and drag you down and you have to like jump across these docks and stuff. And then there's like these trees that come out of that goo and then they have like big leaves that you need to jump on and go up. And then that's what I was saying. It's like, I'm jumping up and then I fall through because I run out. I run out of the fox. I don't think you need a badge that extends ability duration. If I'm not mistaken. So some of those areas have like objects that you can hit. I think they're bells and those like extend like a wave that does the same thing. The ability does where it like makes it so you can stand on the platform. So I think what you're meant to do is you're meant to use those in combination with the hat ability. And then that gives you enough to get that through it. That would make sense because what I'm trying to figure out, and I didn't spend too much time with this. It wasn't like 20 or 30 minutes, but it was like maybe five, but there was these. So in the game, there's like these little worms that you can pick up and you can put them in apples. And with the fox mask, you can see this little orb and then like a stand, like a bird stand. And you go up to it and you use the fox mask and you can see one of those little snake or little worm guys sitting on top of that. But then when the mask expires, nothing happens. So I think I need to bring something over to that to have it interact. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm not hating this game by any stretch of the imagination. It's just after the high of Sifu and Somnium Files, this is definitely like a lower point, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. But you want to talk about the topic on the table? Because that's all I played. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I'll go first in terms of, so the topic, if I'm interpreting it correctly, is, uh, um, and this has been a theme throughout the episode so far already, I'd say, but yeah, talking about new games versus old games in terms of what we've been playing in 2022, sort of this like backlog season that seemingly never ends at this point, um, how we're navigating that, whether we're playing new games a lot or, you know, sticking to older stuff. I think we're both playing a lot of backlog stuff mostly. I wanted to say I feel some level of pressure because, you know, we get into the end of the year and there's always like a pressure of like, you know, what, what's my top 10 going to be? What's my top five going to be? You know, what am I going to think about the Game Awards nominees and that that kind of thing, right? That you always get towards the end of the year. If, you know, and it's not like, it's not like a, a real pressure. It's just sort of like a, you know, this could be cool to, to talk about and to think about. And it's nice to sort of be up to speed with a lot of the game releases. But the problem is not much stuff has come out and the stuff that has come out is... I don't know. It's like you have to be 
you have to be really into, I guess, everything in terms of in terms of wanting to try it. And there's been quite a few in terms of reception, I guess, duds this year as well. And yeah. only a few sort of truly excellent games in the views of a lot of people. So I've been embracing the backlog and I was thinking about the main new release like this year, I, I think, unless, you know, and I think there's a decent chance that like, you know, Modern Warfare 2 is going to be a big game. God of War Ragnarok is going to be a big game. The Callisto Protocol is going to be a big game. Um, I'd say Plague Tale probably isn't going to be that big of a game. I'm really looking forward to it, but I mean in terms of like, uh, what I'm building up to is Elden Ring, essentially. So in terms of that type of uh, dominates conversation and is sort of the zeitgeist and the thing that the year is going to be remembered for, you know, like how 2018 is remembered for God of War and Red Dead Redemption 2, you know, that that kind of thing. Yeah. So it feels weird because Elden Ring came out so early in the year and then so little came out afterwards that it's like that game to me is like almost certainly going to be the game that this year is remembered for. But there's sort of a few of these like last minute releases that could be big enough to, I think it's very unlikely that they'd, I guess, dethrone it if you want to use that terminology, I suppose, <laughs> or um, I guess like usurp it in that sense. I, I don't think that's necessarily likely, but at least making things into, I guess, a two horse race instead of a a sort of single game that, that dominates. So for me, in terms of releases, I know that it's going to be Elden Ring as my big game. And that was the game where it took over conversation. It's been like the only event game for me. Like I, I loved Immortality as well, but you know, not many people played that game. Not many people talked about that game. And it was also a game where, you know, it, it had like a, a moment and was important to me, but that moment was not as prolonged as what happened with Elden Ring. And it's like a big instant classic for a lot of people. And a lot of the discussion was really positive, both in terms of, I think, you know, praising the game, but also in terms of the critiques of the game. I think, you know, aside from, I think there were some stupid critiques as there always are with games, but I feel like with Elden Ring, there was this sense of community where people really wanted to understand the lore, understand the story uh, understand the mechanics and things are quite vague and in the FromSoft way and not fully explained to you. So people are trying to sort of puzzle it out together. And also the game's so open and free as well that everyone has these different uh, unique experiences of discovering things in different order and some people missing things entirely and some people seeing things that no one else is seeing and talking about that kind of like a when a, when a big role-playing game comes out from like Bethesda or from... CD project or, 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 you know, developers like that obsidian where you get that to generate discussion. So there were so many different angles of discussion in terms of how vague it is, how much discovery exploration there is. And also in terms of like the build variety, the way you can play, what you can focus on. There's so many different things to unpick about that game. And it felt like it was like two months straight, essentially, where it was like that was all I was thinking about. And it felt like it was all the internet was thinking about for the most part. It really was. We, you know, we talked about when 
Horizon Forbidden West came out and it was, you know, we both thought that, you know, it is really unfortunate for Guerrilla because it's not just, you know, that by all accounts, they've put out an excellent game. And yet just because of how, you know, FromSoft captured lightning in a bottle in terms of like this cultural like storm, I guess, like this big, you know, moment for gamers, I suppose, if you want to put it that way, that that they their game the discussion for it feels like it, it, it wasn't there. Like uh, and when it was, it was like a lot of like dickheads were like making unfavorable comparisons on purpose. And it yeah and and trying to sort of turn it into this versus that and would only you know Elden Ring felt like it was so dominant this year that it was like even when people were trying to talk about other games, it was like always being compared to Elden Ring, which sucks. Ultimately, it wasn't games aren't given their own like fair shake, essentially, you know, and you, you get that with other games as well in, in their respective years. You know, when The Last of Us Part Two came out, I feel like a lot of games end up compared to that because it's just like such a huge moment and everyone you know, goes like, you know, why can't other studios do animations like this and, and that kind of thing. And some of it's reasonable and some of it's, you know, good criticism and, and others is kind of, you know, annoying because it's not, you know, considering the design limitations or budget limitations or whatever. And it, it's the same thing for Elden Ring, I feel like, where about the game itself, I feel like it was so positive to be in that like zeitgeist and to be along for the ride with everyone. But then there was some sourness in terms of how it was sort of branded like an industry standard type game or a thing to aspire to, which isn't untrue, but you know, it lacks the nuance of a lot of things and and it just sort of takes over everything, the discussion. So for me, that will always stand out as like the 2022 new game that I played and everything else kind of doesn't, I don't know, it kind of slips away in some sense, but I looked through the list of games that I've played that came out this year and it's Nobody Saves the World, uh, Elden Ring, Tunic, The Quarry, A Memoir Blue, Escape Academy, Rainbow Six Extraction, Immortality, and of course, uh, Power Wash Simulator. And that's everything, I think. So, you know, of those games, only two really sort of massively stand out, which would be Elden Ring and Immortality. But Immortality, you know, it has like that recency bias where it's still in my mind because I've just played it. But I feel like, you know, in five years time, when I look back to this year, it's probably just going to be Elden Ring that stands out. And everything else other than those games has been backlog stuff. And I feel like my list of new games isn't a terrible list, but I feel like it gets even worse when I consider that I haven't finished Nobody Saves the World. I haven't finished Tunic, and I haven't finished Rainbow Six Extraction. So I haven't finished Power Wash Sim as well, but it feels weird to talk about it in that sense because it, it it's not going to change things up in the in the final few levels. So of all of the games that I've played this year, I've basically half of them I haven't even finished in terms of new releases. So yeah, the two things for me will be the backlog and Elden Ring ultimately. Yeah. And I don't know, I didn't look at all the games that I played that were that were new this year, but as for the games that I, on my backlog, that I did play, so 
Horizon Forbidden West was the first game that I played this year that was new. And then, God damn, dude, I haven't played anything new this year. Nothing. Ghostwire, that came out this year, right? And then Sifu. Yeah, it did. Yep. So those are my three. I literally played Horizon, uh, Ghostwire, and Sifu. You this played year. Stray as well? Oh, yeah, that's true. Stray. And that's it. That's the so four games this whole year that have been like 2022 releases. The rest, which I think I have uh, 19 uh, full like game completions. And so this year for me, I didn't play Elden Ring, but it's going to be remembered as like the backlog year. Yeah, like a huge backlog year for me. And a lot of the games that I played were games that I want that I really did want to play like Last year at the Game Awards, uh, Tales of Arise be- won Best RPG, and I was like, immediately. I was like, oh, I want to play that so bad. It looks good. And I freaking enjoyed the hell out of that game at the beginning of this year. I kind of binged it because I loved it so much. And it's like probably my f- second favorite RPG of all time. So, I mean, I mean, it jumped up there pretty quick. It was, it was awesome. The combat was really fun, and the visuals, dude, on the OLED... That shit was blinding me because it was so colorful and there was just so much, so much going on and it was just really, really fun. But uh, so Tales of Arise, Persona 5 Strikers, Cyberpunk, Lost and Random, Stardew Valley, River City Girls, uh, Far Cry 6. These are all games from last year or not last year, but like not from this year. Pyre and Rogue Legacy, MLB The Show 21 and I The Somnium Files. It's like a lot of these games not particularly of this year, but a lot of them that were on the backlog that I have now taken off and people are like, I I caught up on my backlog and I'm like, I don't understand that, that phrasing. I don't, we'll never understand that. Cause while I was playing tales of Arise, about eight games got added to my backlog. Oh yeah. There's no no way to keep up and no way. way I I don't want to go through all of the, you know, the backlog games I've played because you know, listeners will already, you know, we talk about the games we yeah. play every week, but the every couple of weeks. But the for me, as in terms of old games, um, I've really loved Hollow Knight and Outer Wilds. Nice. So those nice. are going to be games that you know I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna associate them with 2022 in in the sense of releases, but in terms right. of games that you know now I'm like, you know games that were great in their year you know i'm still gonna acknowledge those as incredible and will probably stay with me forever so yeah it's been awesome to be able to play those because in a busier year you know i don't know if i would have gone for it if i would have been able to commit that amount of time for those games and i'm so glad i did that i didn't get you know distracted by the shiny new thing instead I know what you mean. And and I kind of go both ways on what you kind of explained there is like, I will think just because of how I only played so far, there's a lot of year left and we're, I'm going to play a lot of new games, but so far in 2022, if I think back to it, like mi- end of 2023 and I'm like, man, remember when I played all those backlog games? Cause that's like what I did that year. And then it, it just with the games that I played, like and specifically AJ I wanted to talk about 3 the games that really stuck out for this year that I will look back on and I'll be like in that year that they came out they were really fucking awesome and if like so Stardew I think that came out in 2016 dude that game 
is awesome. Like it is so fucking good. And I've talked it to death and I'm not going to continue to talk about it, but it's like, it's the first time I played it was in 2022. And it's my third favorite game of all time of all time. Like that. It's not going to, I don't know when it will be dethroned, but like for some, some game this year to be jumping into my top 10 is really awesome, but it didn't come out this year. And like, that's where like that mark for me keeps getting, you know, checked on 2022 it's like man some my favorite game this year is stardew and it that's not a 2022 game so that's the biggest one that stands out and then another one was river city girls which at the beginning of the year i played this on game pass and i kind of was just dipping my toes in because i had heard about it on podcasts and other people who had played it and i like beat-em-ups and i was like i really want to see what this game's about and it starts off a little slow you don't have many combos or anything but once you start like building up your um your money and you you your level and you start unlocking more combos the game just gets so fucking good and then on top of that if you play with a partner it gets really good so i played this early 2022 and then what happened was i put it down on game pass and i was like i'm gonna pick that up on playstation because i want the platinum i want that platinum trophy on my account and i'm happy to support the devs that way and so i don't know i had some downtime or oh yeah i did have some downtime again that's like what 2022 has been so i finish a game and then i'm like what do i play next and i think a buddy had it on his account and i just was like i'm gonna uh, let me let me play that and he's like okay and then we decide to co-op it it could because it's you know you can share and i'm like that's so sick and so then i so i had the solo experience on xbox jumped to playstation got to play it on playstation and then i got the platinum and that was later in the year and it was just so much fun for me. Like the beat em up games, just that kind of the art style, the story, everything about it was so good. And so that one stood out to me. It was like a really fun game. And then one last one, which got fixed this year, and that was Cyberpunk. And when you think back to the year that it came out, which was 2020, and it was busted, and the world was in chaos, and it was like not that bad on PC. And I think a lot of the reviews kind of showed that. Because it was like, there's no console reviews. And then all of a sudden, PC reviews were like the only ones that were there and they were really high. And it's like, no wonder they were high because it is a good game. It just wasn't ready for console. And especially last gen console. Fuck that. Never ever want to play it. I would never recommend that game on last gen. But I played it. And you know what's exciting about this too is the anime comes out tomorrow. You're, I know you're going to be all over that, <laughs> AJ. <laughs> but um, like... The the game was really, really good. The writing and the animation and like graphically it was all right. It wasn't like the most graphically intense game I've ever seen, but it was really pretty and the world was built really well and it made me like hesitate because I like to say like CD Projekt, obviously they made my favorite game, but now they can be one of my favorite developers. But the thing that sucks about saying that is how dirty they were at the launch of cyberpunk and how much they overpromised and how much, you know, like they didn't, they, they hid those reviews for console. It, it just seems dirty. So it's kind of sucks to say like they're one of my favorite developers, but they, the developers make good content. It just was not cooked ready. It was like not ready. So in that year that it came out 2020, it's definitely a damn good game on PC at the max specs or whatever the max PC uh, stuff to have. And I get to see it now because it's patched out on PS5 into a, a, a state where it's it's pretty damn good. And so 
with the DLC that's coming out soon, it's like that's extremely exciting for a game that didn't launch in 2022. I'm like really excited for that. Um, and I've got to play that game and that's that's like how I'll remember it. You know, it's like, man, I'm very grateful that I got to play this this uh, CD project game in a good state. And it's not like ruined for me because I didn't play it at launch. Just didn't wasn't even in the mood for it at launch, actually. Like all I cared about <laughs> as as it kept as it kept going up and everybody was hyping it, I was like, I just want another Witcher, dude. I don't care about Cyberpunk. <laughs> like I just don't. I'd never even like dip my toes in the genre before. So it was really cool to like understand like the dystopian technological body modification kind of like stuff that is Cyberpunk that I'd never knew because I just Really, I haven't watched any media or read any media or consumed anything of cyberpunk before. And not not I'm talking about the genre of cyberpunk, not just the 2077 game. And so that was really, really cool to see. And I, I definitely think I like that genre and I need to watch more things like Ghost in the Shell and uh, Blade Runner, like more stuff in cyberpunk. So that's that's what like those were my highlights this year of like backlog games that I got to jump into because I had the time. And so I really, really am happy that I had the downtime. I'm actually like kind of nervous about 2023. We talked about delays and more stuff like that, but I think that 2023 will be a lot more new games for me. I think I'm going to be stacked with games to play in 2023 and I won't have much time. Maybe I'll sneak in a couple backlog games, but I think that'll be majority like games that came out in 2023 next year instead of this other way around where like majority of the games that I played are backlog this year. But uh, that's all I really have to say about that topic on the table. Nice. Yeah. I'm naturally pessimistic about further delays, but I think 2023 <laughs> should be better than 2022. Hopefully. Oh, I do too. Um, I do too. Shall I go into my achievement of the week? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So my achievement of the week this week is out with the boys, which is from rainbow six extraction. So it's to complete all objectives in an incursion with only male operators. So this was one of the achievements that like popped in like the massive bunch of achievements that was just like totally out of nowhere. Like I wasn't going for it. I just picked the character and then played it. And it was like, you know, dudes rock, you know, like shout out to the boys. So it's like, you know, yeah, the boys. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I figured, yeah, you know, surprised me. It's kind of a dumb achievement. Like it feels like they were just like running out of ideas of what else to do with achievements. I think there's an, a similar achievement to just playing with like all women as well. So yeah, I approve of it. Simple, uh, quick to the point. Great. That's a good achievement. I uh, For my trophy of the week, I chose Sifu uh, as the game because I, I did thoroughly enjoy it so much that I was like, I know that I used last week, I used two other achievements or trophies from this game to uh, last week. So I know this is my third one and it's back to back, but damn, the game was so good and the achievement list was really, really fun. And so I, I wanted to highlight another one and the trophy is called Path of the Prospect. And this one is for just unlocking a move called the Mighty, uh, I think it said Calbot move. And it's so fucking funny when you use this move because it's not, it doesn't do any damage to the, to the enemy it's kind of like uh it uses kind of stamina to use the move but you like basically hit them and then you smack them on the back of the head and you're like hey quit fucking around kind of like a master would do it's like you know you're not paying attention so you can like just give you it's almost a taunt but it's a special move 
and it doesn't do any damage. And then you immediately get like five times the amount of points. So if you if you're able to like go through battle in the game, it'll be like times one, times two, times three, and then you get all the way up to times five, and you that your points will start stacking because as you go through more enemies and stuff, you're not taking hits and you're doing uh, you're getting kills and like you're just building up a score in the game and on that level. Plus you're not getting hit, which is super good for your, your health and your, uh, your age at the end. It has a score that it keeps track of. And you're like, maybe I want to get a better score. But when you use that move, you could go from zero to five, like time times five immediately because it is a taunt, but it's so fucking funny, dude, just to watch the character just smack like an NPC on the, on the back of the head being like, quit fucking around (laughs) it's so awesome but yeah that's a great trophy whenever i saw that i was like oh i like that one i like that one a lot i kind of wish they would have had it for using it instead of just unlocking it but yeah i think uh like taunt moves are always a cool like risk reward mechanic yeah and it's gameplay implications that's really cool it's secret too it's not like when you start the game it's not there until you unlock it so what i mean by that is like the there's a bunch of skills on a page and it's like grayed out and you can like read what they are and you're like, I don't have the, I don't have the amount of currency or the amount of skill points to level that up. So it's just grayed out. And this one doesn't even show up like not until you've unlocked it later. And so that's really, really cool. So it was hidden, but that's it. Do you have any other final thoughts, AJ? Uh, yeah. Play uh plague sale. If you have any time in the next like couple of days or whatever. Just, just to the audience, just play it. It's worth playing, or pick it up on sale. It's, uh, it's good. I think it, because it's like a new IP from Asobo. You know, it didn't get like massive hype either. You know, it launched pretty soft in that sense. But you know, on Game Pass, it goes on sale. It's well worth the time, well worth the money. That's that's my big recommendation for uh, the sequel next month. Ditto. I echo that. That game is what, like I said, it's very, it's good. It's, it's a good game and I think it should be tried and then, you know, be anticipate the next one because it's it's a hype moment. Yeah, it's you, know? a fun, like, uh, you can do it in one sitting as well or two sittings. Yeah. You know, it's just a, it's just a quick a quick game as well, which is nice. Respects your time. It does. But uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Happy hunting. Peace out. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to Complete Edition. If you like the content, consider supporting us on patreon.com slash completion club. If you have any questions or would like to reach us, email completionclub at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Complete Edition.